looking back now, I just had to kind of, I now see that I just needed to realize that I had put in the work and kind of trust that, you know, they're telling you to go to the next level for a reason. Like you just have to kind of turn that, that, uh, I don't know, lack of confidence or something, that pressure into power. That's kind of something that I've always told myself, pressure into power. Welcome to the Well You Mental Training Podcast. My name is Brian Alexander, and I will be your host today. We are joined by Brooke Maxson, who is a current member of the UCLA women's water polo team. Due to the recent impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, Brooke's senior season was ended abruptly, like so many others. However, she was voted as an All-American during the shortened season, which is her second time earning the award while competing for the Bruins. After the NCAA granted all spring season sport athletes from the 2019-2020 school year an add-on extra season of eligibility, Brooke has decided to pursue an additional season. Brooke grew up in Tustin, California, attending Foothill High School and earning All-America honors in water polo and swimming. She was also a Junior Olympics champion at the age of 18 and she competed with her club for many years and earning a lot of accolades. While Brooke pursues her additional year of eligibility in the pool, she also excels in the classroom, majoring in geography. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's great to have you on here. And um, this is probably a kind of a unique interview given the current situation that we've all been persevering through. But um, thanks for joining us. And I'm really excited to share bits and pieces of your, your athletic story and journey and then kind of how you've arrived at where you are today. Yeah. So let's just kind of start from the beginning with water polo and see, you know, how did your interest first get sparked in the sport? And, um, what was it like for you? Yeah, so growing up in Tustin, it's definitely a big aquatic-based uh, community, I think. And I grew up as a competitive swimmer for SoCal Aquatics. And when my brother, Jake, went to high school, he needed another sport to fill in the off-season of swim, so he started water polo. And this was kind of the first time we had like really heard of it in our family um, and he kind of started that. And then my parents were like, well, Brooke, like, what do you think about this? And at the time I was like eight or nine and I was like, there's no way I'm swimming without goggles. Like, that's crazy. Since I was like <laughs> such a competitive swimmer, I was like, what? Like I'm gonna get water in my eyes. and like, people scratch me. Like, what are you talking about? Like that, that seems crazy and kind of took a little bit of convincing from like our club coaches. And um, I think by the time I was nine, I had already started water polo and I did some summer camps um, that were led by some former Bruin water polo players and that kind of integrated me well. And then I just started this love for it and got to meet all my friends through it. Um, and I, started SoCal when I was nine and stayed with it until I was 18. Wow. So it started sort of as a family affair, 
you know, yeah. following your brother's footsteps and trying yeah. to figure out if you could do that being a swimmer. Yeah. Um, and your mom was a Bruin as well. Yes, she was. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and then these, these former club players coming back from UCLA, right. Um, maybe even kickstarting some of that, that Bruin love for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get there eventually, but it sounds like you had a period of time when you were getting into the sport where you had to adjust as an athlete some, it, to some of the cultural differences. Is that right? Yeah. Between think, swimming and, and water polo, right? Yeah, totally. I think they're people kind of group them as similar things because you're in the pool, but I think that in a way they're also very different because swimming is more, at least for me when I was growing up, it was a little more individual and I could kind of just worry about like what I was going to do. And it was a lot of more pressure on myself. And then I think finding water polo, it was more, to me, it was a lot more fun and a lot more engaging with like my friends. And I loved the team aspect of that. Um, From a young age, I just thought that was so fun that you could, you know, if you were down, you could rely on your other teammates to kind of pick you up and back and forth and vice versa. Um, I just thought that was super unique about it and something I hadn't really experienced yet as a kid yeah that's great we know too that that connection and that relatedness you have with your team with your teammates as well as kind of with the culture of your of your club it pays dividends for your motivation Mm -hmm. is that something that you learned along the way and and something that you actively seek out today yeah I think I think that connection I, for me, it just makes, it makes it a lot easier to get up in the morning and go to train, you know, and that kind of trust aspect of it. Um, and I think I've, I've been super fortunate to be on so many teams, so many different teams that a lot of the people, sh- we all shared similar goals. Maybe we had different ways of getting to those goals, but at the end of the day, it was a shared kind of purpose for being there. Um, and that, to me, that really, it just made things a little easier and more fun. Yeah, that's a really good point. That shared purpose for being there, that's a huge one. So in high school, you lettered all four years in water polo and swimming, and you were an All-American in both the sports in high school. What was the mindset you had during your freshman year versus your senior year and how that developed for you? Yeah, I. it was really interesting to – to think about that part because it seems like so long ago and it really wasn't and I just feel like such a different person because going into high school I was definitely more dedicated to swimming at that time that was in 2012 and the summer going into high school I didn't even do the water polo program for Foothill I was like I think I was nervous for the change from like age group to high school like playing with girls who are much older and more experienced than me and I kind of channeled like a lot more of my energy into swimming but I think it was I think I knew that I wanted to play water polo but I was just like afraid of the change um and then once I started up at high school in the fall I did start the water polo program and I did like it but I still was training as a club swimmer so I would go from like two and a half hours at high school to another two hours um, of club almost every day and yeah and like looking back on that I'm like that is crazy but at the time it just didn't I didn't know any different and I was having fun 
Um, but once I like, once my freshman year was over, kind of got a feel for it, sophomore year, I kind of realized, okay, I think, I think I like this water polo thing a little more. So my mindset kind of shifted a little more, more of my energy and focus into water polo. Um, and then by the time I was a senior, I knew I wanted to play water polo in college. I kind of started doing more like ODP stuff, like the Olympic development stuff. Um, mm-hmm and swimming less a little less but still important for water polo of course yeah Um, but yeah Uh, so it basically what I heard you say was that your dedication to the sport or the the choice of your sport shifted throughout those four years and sort Mm -hmm. of like what you were saying before it sounded like a lot of that was based on the camaraderie and the connection you had with the with the teammates and the other girls in the pool is that right Yeah, that was a huge part for me. I think once I kind of got a taste for water polo and tried to go back to swimming and I kind of wanted to treat it the same and like, you know, have the same conversations, have the same attitude and practice. And a lot of the people were like, whoa, like that's not (laughs) that's not the vibe kind of here. And for me, that was a big part of it. I was like, I just it's not really I've kind of outgrown it in a way. And I've kind of developed a love for something else and a different community. And mm-hmm. I was lucky that was, I had that water polo community for me. Yeah. And you mentioned before your freshman year, there could have been some of those nerves or some of that kind of apprehension about getting started. How have you approached that? Or how have you learned to approach those, um, those nervous feelings, you know, around performance or just starting something new? Yeah, that was a big challenge for me as a kid every time I would go up to another level or uh, age up into something I would like freak out and just kind of like you know and I kind of finally realized the older I got it was I was just nervous you know I and I had to like looking back now I just had to kind of I now see that I just needed to realize that I had put in the work and kind of trust that you know they're telling you to go to the next level for a reason like you just have to kind of turn that that uh, I don't know lack of confidence or something that pressure into power that's kind of something that I've always told myself pressure into power and just rechannel that um, somewhere else and just kind of trust trust in yourself that you've done the work for it yeah I love that pressure into power that's such a great mantra to use internally especially when you're faced with these big challenges. Yeah, that's a that's been a big help for me, even with school. I kind of tell myself that, like, you know, like you have these situations that present yourself. How can you kind of redirect it in a different way or interpret it in a different way? And for me, that's really helped me a lot. That's great. So one of potentially one of the pressure moments was uh, Junior Olympics, right mm-hmm. um your your team won when you're an 18 and under um at the junior olympic level and for those people that don't know junior olympics and water polo is a huge event there's a ton of teams from all over the country it's one of the biggest events um in the world in the sport so what were some of the mental skills you use when competing um if you remember at, at the Junior Olympics that year and, and with the expectation even with your club being a really 
um, high level club, right? Um, what were some of the mental skills you used? Yeah, so I was thinking back about Junior Olympics and how, you know, as a club player, kind of your whole year, your goal and all your focus is towards the end, which is like Junior Olympics. And I think my the teams that I was on for SoCal, a lot of it was being consistent. And I think that was a big thing they ingrained in us and that, you know, it wasn't just about Junior Olympics, you know, it's about the little steps that get you there. And those things really prepared us, I think, to be, you know, able to compete at the end of it. And, you know, I remember those tournaments are so long, you know, you could be scheduled to play two games and you end up playing four, you know, you have to do the backdoor game or something like that. So I think mental toughness is a really important key when you're playing in those high pressure, but long tournaments and, you know, trying to limit the kind of poor me conversation. It's okay to have it, you know, my eyes hurt. Like I need to put milk in my eyes or something, or I'm so sunburnt. Um, and just kind of try and limit those conversations because it, it can be exhausting, like mentally to be thinking about that all the time. Yeah. You could be, you know, turning that around into something else. And, and I think the mental toughness aspect also fits into, you know, being able to move on from game to game because you could wake up and think you're going to have a good game and, you know, something goes wrong, but you gotta, you gotta bounce back quickly. And I think, even if you have a great game, it's a good to kind of, you know, address it, but be able to move on to the next. Um, and I know for me, something that I have used as a tool since I was young um, to kind of get out of my own head was just to be a good teammate. And I think that growing up, I struggled a lot with confidence in myself, especially when I had the ball, you know, I'd rather be the one passing to someone and making a block instead of taking the final shot. And for me, when I was feeling low, what, my, what I would do is try and uplift my other teammates. And I think for me, that was a way to get out of my own head. Selfishly, it was a little bit for me, but it also felt good to, you know, see my teammates succeed and see them happy, even if I wasn't playing. Um, so that's that's been a tool that I still use to this day in college, too. Yeah, I love that. That, that redirection of all of that attention on yourself, redirecting it towards somebody else, but not just in, a, in the way that it was being directed on you, but redirecting it towards them in terms of how can I support your success? How can I support our success, right? Yeah. That's yeah a, I, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that for me has been like super helpful. And I didn't even really realize I did that until I was like kind of trying to process these questions and stuff but it's kind of nice to take a step back and realize that yeah yeah that's awesome that's really great I think um you're sharing so many mental nuggets right now right <laughs> with everybody that that could be repeated and used in their own way and that's the beauty of all of this about mental training about approaching your learning to approach the thing that becomes your passion, right? That you dedicate so many hours to in terms of training, um, but with sort of a framework, right? That you learn along the way, 
through all of your experiences, all of your coaching and feedback that you've gained from other people, um, but being able to put it into strategies that you can repeat and use consistently in an event, like you said, like the Junior Olympics is so long and um, it can go in so many different directions depending on how your team does. But the, the end goal is still alive in a lot of those directions. Um, so, so that's really important. And something that you mentioned was focusing on the little things rather than the big things, right? And usually I think about goals in terms of a lot of times we're setting these big outcome goals, right, to win or be the best or be voted All-American maybe or whatever it is, but we lose track of what it takes to get there in terms of process. So um, how, how do you continuously work on process? Like when you're training, when you're practicing, how do you work at it? Yeah, I, that's definitely, it's super easy to get lost in that that end goal because it you know like you get so excited and you're like this is it but I think for me I think just always being a student of the game is super important and I was fortunate to learn that when I was younger um, that you should always be learning something and even the moments where it seems like you know it's just you're getting so much constructive criticism but and you just, all you kind of want to do is break down, I think, to take a step back and realize that you're being coached for a reason and that um, these little things are just learning moments for you and they're building blocks. Um, and sometimes when I think, I think of like the past year at school training, when I would have a tough practice, I would write down a lot of stuff that I think I did probably bad at I think I usually did a lot for bad practices but I think it's also important to do it for the good things um but I usually did a lot for stuff I needed to work on or especially when we would watch game film that was a really um nice tool for me I really loved watching film and I think being able to look back at it and kind of you're like whoa like I improved at that or maybe this is something I need to um that really helped me and just kind of setting little, little goals for yourself. Even if you do it weekly or maybe every two weeks, it's just kind of keep yourself in check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great tool. And in our well, you mental training app, we talk about reflective practice as one of the foundational mental skills you need to learn. And something that you just mentioned was journaling, um, putting some structure around it, maybe like not just all the bad things, right? And just be, it does help a, a ton to process all those things that are just on your mind. And that inner self-critic is just going over and over and over again without any solutions, right? So getting it out on the paper helps you see it in a different perspective. But also just taking notes and becoming that student of the game when you're watching film, that's so valuable. Um, and it becomes sort of a, a, a habit after you do it so many times, right? Mm -hmm. yeah it just becomes part of that routine in a way yeah that's great so with all these skills and routines and and habits that you've been learning along the way um you know we were challenged with an unexpected turn recently a, a big one right the the shutdown and and you and your team were in almost the middle of your season right yeah, yeah we're right halfway yeah, and your senior season, 
not just any season, but your senior college season at UCLA. So due to the recent events of COVID-19, um, you get a chance to redo that senior season at UCLA. What was going through your mind when these events began? And what's your mindset going forward? Yeah, it was it was tough. I can vividly remember sitting in our tent where we usually watch film and getting the news. I can remember who was sitting next to me and stuff. It was like, it was just shock, you know. And I remember we were in Michigan a couple months before, and this was kind of the first time we had heard about COVID. And we just kind of were like, whoa, that's crazy. But, you know, it wasn't affecting us yet. Um, but, yeah, we were all in shock because – we had our team was really going in a great direction. Um, and this had been like one of my favorite years at school so far. Um, and it was, it was really tough and it was just a lot of disbelief and it was just really sad. But I mean, we were, I was able to come home since I live pretty close to school and be with my family. And I think talking with them about it, and I just kind of, it was hard because in our little bubble, you know, like our water polo team and being the best we could be was our biggest thing. But I think I had to take a step back and realize the bigger picture of it and that, you know, they were doing this to protect us and our family and our friends. Um, but it was, it's something that's still, you know, there's some days where I think about it and it's just like, it's it's really tough yeah um but I think I always I mean even with other stuff try and think of the bigger picture take a step back helps me a lot but yeah it's it's tough for a lot of people yeah it's so hard and so unexpected you never really think that could happen right yeah but like you mentioned you went through a few different stages and are still going back through them at times, right? Like shock and sadness. Um, and then eventually getting to the point of looking at the bigger picture and almost finding a way to accept it. Have you, how has that been just the acceptance piece as you make new plans? Yeah. I mean, that has been something that has been hard to kind of get to and keep consistent. But I also do think I was really fortunate that it, in a way that it was my senior season, because I think when it's your last kind of go around at things, you really appreciate things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wish I would have appreciated it all the time, all four years, but you know, there's bumps in the road and stuff. But when I mean, at least for me, when it was my last year, I was really like taking everything in. And I think I was really fortunate in that way that I, I really remember a lot of it. And I have a lot of really good memories from it to keep with me. Um, but I think with this time off, also, I've been able to kind of like, remember why I love the game mm, a lot. Yeah. Because in the grind, you can lose sight of that for sure. And just get tired and have that like negative self-talk and just be kind of like, what am, what am I doing here? And this has really given me a lot of time to reflect and, you know, look back at my journal and look back at the little things that are so important. And it's kind of getting me 
fueled up and giving me something to look forward to. Yeah, that's awesome. Remembering why you love the game and, and reflecting. Um, that is so valuable and probably one of the most important pieces of the mental game is your why mm-hmm. and having it clear. Because when when it hits you in the face, all that hard training, all those grueling hours and the times when your body just wants to stop, right? Finding that ability mentally to say, no, let's go a little bit more really comes from your why. So have you, what, what's your why? Have you clearly identified it or where are you at with that? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, there's so many aspects to like what I miss about it and like why I want to be there. And I'm, you know, I, I kind of used to think that, oh, I, you know, I was doing it for my, my family, my teammates, like to make my school proud. And I think I've kind of realized, like, I really want to do it and I want to be there. And I think that's been a good thing for me to realize because, like, there's some times where you just get in the routine of it. And I, I had gone through phases where I'm sure a lot of athletes have gone through where you're like do I even want to do this Mm -hmm. and I think this time has really like made it clear to me that I do want to be a part of this and like I don't want to just go through the motions of it um so it's been it's been a lot of learning for me right now but in the best way possible yeah and it sounds like learning is one of your values right and so it sounds like it aligns with your values even though it's still hard Mm mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, and and I've like with this time off, I've been like kind of trying to swim a little bit like on like a cord and you know, you kind of swim place, just kind of make the most of it and it's bringing me back to like the technique and the little things that really make like a small difference but in the end a really big difference for me. So it's kind of been cool to break down stuff that you usually don't get to do when you're training so much and going so fast through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, a lot of breakdown mentally and physically, it's, it's been good. Yeah, that sounds great. At one of the hardest things with all this is, you know, maybe you've probably heard it a hundred times by now, but controlling what you can't control. Mm-hmm. However, that applies directly to the sport, right? And all these different factors in terms of the outcome of a game or the impact of a play, right? There's, there's always the referees, there's the coaches there's um it come, maybe comes down to how the ball bounces or floats along the water like there's so many things that impact the results that some people put a lot of emphasis on and really like an emotional attachment to them when that effort and energy could be redirected into things that they could probably get more out of um, with awareness right and, and it sounds mm-hmm. like that's part of this process for you and learning how to control what you can in the details and how to get the most out of your effort and energy. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's really, that's a really, really important ongoing lesson that so many athletes learn along the way, like, like you're saying. Uh, So what do you think in terms of your career so far, it's not over yet, Right. But what do you think mm-hmm. so far has been your greatest moment during competition? Um, so I think so my greatest moment and kind of kind of mixes with also like a 
a low point, I think. I think they kind of mix in a way. But so going back to the 2018-2019 season, um, at the beginning of the year, we go to San Diego for a Triton invite. I saw you at that um, this year. Yeah. Um, But my team was there, and we had – this was our second year with a new coach, Adam Wright, and – um, we were playing pretty well throughout the tournament and then I got to the final match and we were playing USC and I think, I mean, I think about this game all the time, but we just like did not show up. We were afraid and timid and lacked confidence and just were kind of playing scattered as individuals. And after the game, we lost and Adam definitely told us what was up, what went wrong. <laughs> um, so we all felt that through his words, but <laughs> it kind of we went back home to school and just everyone was just kind of in this funk like what is going on but he encouraged us to really think about it and like think about a change because he's like this is we're not going to play like this again and like I said I still think about that game all the time that talk and fast forward to the 2020 season at the Triton invite and we were in the same situation played the whole tournament and we matched up with USC again. And I think all the girls who were at the past and like uh, invite, they remembered that feeling and we knew what we needed to do differently as individuals and as a group. And we ended up winning the game and we played with a lot of energy and worked as a team. Um, And that was like a really awesome moment for us. And it wasn't just about beating USC or winning the game. It was like, that like whole cycle that like the whole year had gone by and we had grew as a group already. And that was like an awesome feeling uh, to have. Wow. That's amazing. So you went from defeat a really low, low, it sounded like that lasted a little while, but coming out of it with that fuel and that passion to put in the right work right, with the outcome being not feeling that feeling again, um, but but actually coming through and being a better team, playing the game better than you guys have played it before. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Guided by your coach, right, who had <laughs> who <Yes>. lit the <laughs> fire. <laughs> Definitely lit the fire for us so we would not forget that feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's great, yeah. And for anyone that knows college sports – uh, UCLA versus USC is a huge rivalry, right? Um, I wonder for you what, what the rivalry is like. And it doesn't just have to be USC, UCLA, but like what is a rivalry like for you and how do you process that? Yeah, I think it's definitely a big thing, the rivalries between the schools. Um, and with water polo, of course, like a lot of the top schools happen to be rivals. Um, and it's it's great to get a win against, but we always try and treat every game the same. And I think sometimes emotion is great, but sometimes it can be used against you. You are, you know, too emotional about playing a certain person or group. Um, but, I mean, it, a win is a win. It's always great to beat USC. But, um, yeah, that game was – that was awesome, and it was a big – um, staple for us moving throughout the season this year. Yeah, sounds like it. When you work on managing your emotions pregame, what's what's like a pregame routine you follow? 
Yeah, so kind of growing up, I definitely had have had different routines, and I kind of finally was able to lock one in for college. And I know a lot of people love to listen to, like, pump-up music, you know, some rap music or, like, party music. But for me, it get, I realize it gets me too hyped up. <laughs> and yeah. so I kind of try and keep it. I have, like, one playlist that one of my teammates made me that I only listen to that. Um, and it's just some classic rock or like alternative music just something that I'm like comfortable with Mm -hmm. and try not to be in my phone like at all before the match just to keep everything you know that you can't control out of you know your vision and then um our team does we go through stretching it's the same stretching led by one of my teammates every time and um I always try and pass with the similar people so I can you know be used to them or people that I'm in certain lines with um Mm -hmm. for that and then I always like to do a couple of like bobs underwater kind of blow out all the air and just kind of like regroup and I rely on a lot on my breathing I think that if I'm sometimes I'm not hyped up enough because I'm I'm pretty mellow so sometimes I'm not on the level I need to be on before a game so sometimes my breathing is a little more to get my, my heart rate going. And then other times when I'm like jittery, I have to like take deeper breaths and um, slow it down. Yeah. So I can like, I adjust it slightly depending on like my body and kind of listening to that, but it's usually pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. That, wow. Love that. Love the structure that you found. Um, and, and the piece that I think is great to hear is listening to my body even though i know there's certain things that i go through and maybe starts with the music i listen to because i know that listening to that that fast pace maybe hardcore whatever rap music that most people listen to on my team or whoever that doesn't work for me so Mm -hmm. i need to make sure that that part is customized but then i work into the team aspect of it stretching you probably have pre-game meetings right the tactical you're you're thinking about your role and your position the technical pieces of that and then going into the physical warm-up pieces right it's like the the warm-up the passing with the partners getting a feel for the ball going through shooting in the same um line right where you you probably feed off of each other's energy a little bit and then still listening to yourself deciding okay what's going on internally do i need to intensify a little bit because naturally i'm a little bit um lower on we call it the arousal scale right the pregame performance um hype level right like i need to ramp it up or am i feeling like that jittery feeling where i just need to relax a little bit and change my bob breathing a little bit i think that's a that's great. And that's really great learning for everybody, um, how you customize it to fit your needs rather than um, what you think needs to be done based on what other people do. Yeah, that's awesome. And so um, I think like one way to frame it is like a routine is you need a mental component, you need a physical component, mm-hmm. you need technical and you need tactical. And then you put it together mm-hmm. in a structure that you can repeat consistently every single time you perform Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people can start to think like superstitiously right like oh man i I have to work i have to pass to this person if i can't or if i don't then everything's ruined 
How do you yeah. work through that? Is, does that ever come up for you? Yeah, that definitely, I feel that very hard because I went through that when I was in college because they're very, we like routines and stuff like that. And I found myself getting into this like superstitious thing where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have this hair tie. I'm not wearing the right socks. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> like, I'm not, I've never been this person. Like I, this is, I'm taking it a little extreme. Um, so I think, and for me, like growing up, I didn't have a lot of injuries. I was really lucky with that. But then for some reason, when I get to, got to college, I had all these things going on. So I really had to start listening to my body more. And I think kind of like listening to my limits and how far I could push myself. And when I know I needed to tone it down a little bit helped me with my routine aspect as well. Um, because it's super easy to get into the superstitious stuff, like you were saying. Um, and I found myself in that for sure. Um, so I had to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, that's good awareness. Yeah. Um, so man, we could go on so many different directions. (laughs) We could probably keep going and going and going. There's so much learning happening here. Um, but I, I think there's, there's a lot of really good advice that you've been given. Is there any advice you would give to other athletes aspiring to compete at the collegiate level or at an elite level in their sport? Yeah, I I think something that I've always been taught growing up is that um, never, you know, don't be afraid to show up and speak up because I think like in high school or college, sometimes there's this like, oh, you're younger or you can't like contribute like you know seniors and this kind of whole like hierarchy thing and I think that it's important to know that like your time is now and I think to be ready to step up when your team needs you and regardless of your age or your your skill set or your personality I think I think that everyone on a team can be some aspect of a leader whether it's by leading by example in the pool or how you act outside the pool, like your attitude, your work ethic, love for the game. I think that everyone should be ready to be able to contribute some aspect to the team and it's, everyone's going to do it differently. And, you know, to be, to be okay with being uncomfortable and being able to speak up and make that change for yourself, whether it's to better yourself and maybe in the end it will better your team as well. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, everybody's a leader in different ways, more than you probably know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great message. Thanks, Brooke. I really appreciate that. Um, so if people wanted to connect with you or follow along through social media or any kind of links that you have, where would you direct them? Um, I'm not huge on social media. I have Facebook. Um, but I mean, if people want to email me or call me, I can also do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could just follow along in your add-on senior season, right? Yes. Next year, yeah. hoping yeah. that um, everything kind of goes as as somewhat planned, right? Having yeah. that spring season, and um, yeah, best to you, Brooke, and thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Hey, Brian. Great interview with Brooke. I listened to her talk and I got to admit that right off the bat, she seemed way more experienced and mature than her age showed. 
so it was really good to hear her speak on so many um, kind of pertinent aspects we talk about in mental training and sports. Um, you did the interview. It was a great, great discussion and great talk. What stood out to you um, with what she was saying? Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, she was amazing. She hit it right out of the park right away with talking about confidence and nerves and turning pressure into power. And I think for her, she developed that as a tool, almost as a mantra that she could repeat in her self-talk, but also as a way of reframing situations, which is very helpful. It helps her redirect those nervous feelings or those moments where she's not feeling confident and interpret it in a different way that's more useful for her. So that was one of the biggest things that stood out. And there's a ton of other things where we can definitely highlight from from this conversation yeah i mean some of those things she was talking about like that pressure into power um and how she shifted her confidence are just like high level uh mental aspects and um how she incorporated those into her training to perform and it obviously shows up in the pool um you know everyone deals with confidence in a different way we know confidence is a huge huge aspect of our performance and everyone kind of loses their confidence. I love the way she shifted her lack of confidence in certain moments um, and used the power of putting, you know, her communication into her teammates and uplifting her teammates. And that actually helped shift her out of a moment of lacking confidence. And um, I thought that was really interesting because everybody finds it in a different way. And we all have moments when we find ourselves without that confidence. And she used her teammates to to gather herself back up. Definitely. I mean, that sounds like an attention control strategy that she realized she used um, just kind of intuitively. And then later when she was reflecting on it, she thought about, wow, this is actually a tool that I've been using. I didn't even know I was doing so. I think um, these types of tools, especially the idea of sometimes you're in your own head, um, your attention is so internal and it's very scattered all over the place and it's creating so much um, worry and concern and even negativity about how things are going when you get out of your out of yourself and work on supporting or connecting with your teammates, then it changes your attitude and it changes your energy and and the direction of your effort. The other aspect um, that she talked about uh, on that note was, um, you know, something that you and I know when we work with clients or teams talk about a lot is a lot is reflection and and taking notes and taking, you know, dedication to take the time to kind of journal or take notes on what's working, what's not working. And uh, she she definitely made a big point that it was something that she focused on is taking mental notes on things that were working or or were not working. And you know the water polo world very well, obviously, and her dedication to video and taking notes on those as well. Is that something that you did as an athlete and you remember those times of watching video and pool and taking notes on things? Definitely. I learned it later as I went along, but I realized how valuable it is, especially in, and now there's so many great tools to watch game film that are that are easy to access uh, compared to when I was playing. But the idea of journaling and reflecting on your performance and getting feedback from a tool like uh, video uh, game film, right? 
is so powerful and, and she used it to set little goals for herself daily or weekly to just kind of keep herself in check uh, but the main point is that learning is a value and it's it's the the best way to possibly improve like she talks about from that that the beginning of her season and I think it was probably her junior year in 2019 season and then to the end when uh, they played USC again for the second time how much they'd grown as a team and making sure they didn't have that really poor performance because they learned from it throughout the year. Exactly. And that's what we've seen a common thread of that, of athletes saying their lowest and highest points were often tied together in some way or some fashion and true to form that was what she experienced with that UCS, USC rivalry. Um, two last things that I think really stand out and hopefully the listeners can pull from this is pregame work uh, routines. And, you know, really understanding she was, you know, making that point of understanding what was most important for her to be ready. It didn't matter what, you know, what is the norm. It's all that matters is what you feel you need, whether it's something to pump you up or to calm her, her down. She made a big point that it's just based on how you're feeling in that moment. That's what you need to do in your pregame. And the second piece on that she ended with was, you know, communicating and the importance of communication and she made that point in kind of relaying you know uh what did she say show up and speak up yeah show up and speak up what a great line uh in terms of like don't be afraid to communicate and get comfortable being uncomfortable it doesn't matter your age or if you're a freshman and you're with a bunch of seniors if you have something to offer and say then then go for it yeah, those are great takeaways and great lessons. And she uh, she's going back for her fifth season, or sorry, her extra season due to the COVID-19 um, pandemic. Um, and she's really discovering more about her why and uh, using this again as fuel to, to propel her forward and her team, more importantly, forward. Well, this was a great uh, discussion and it was great to hear Brooke. Um, She gave us so many good things to learn from. Great interview, Brian, and to all those listeners out there. I hope our wrap-ups are are helpful in kind of taking the takeaways away from each of our discussions um, and you can apply them to your games and your performances out there. So thanks, Brian, and thank you, Brooke, for, for the great discussion. have a desire to be great in what you do and a keen interest in the mental aspects of performance then you're in the right place. Well You Mental Training seeks to push the edge of the mental game through evidence-based practices and stories from athletes similar to the one you're listening to today. Your collaboration matters as part of this process so please head over to iTunes and leave us a review with your honest feedback on the podcast. We'd love to hear what you have to say. If you are as excited about the mental training stories you are hearing as we are, please share this podcast with your friends, family, and teammates too. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WellUapp. That's W-E-L-L-U-A-P-P. And learn more about the work our mental coaches are doing through LinkedIn and Facebook. 